0: After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hello again. Thanks for being here on the few, the proud, the profitable. As always, this is the podcast where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know that in this space, there's a lot of people who exaggerate, who inflate what they do and what their successes are. So what we've done here is we take the guesswork out of it for you. We only talk to people we've personally vetted and we know are actually making real money online. Today, we've got one of those. Rachel Peterson, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Micah.
0: Yeah, we're really excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. So you've got a pretty great following online. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people watching this know who you are. But for the people who don't, just tell them who you are and what it is you do.
1: For sure. I'm Rachel Peterson, all E's and a D in my last name. Everyone always misspells it, but uh, I'm a Minnesota mom. I have three kids. We survive the Minnesota winter every single year, including last year. Um, But I am basically obsessed with social media. And social media, I first started really organic on social because, to put it Frankly, I couldn't afford Facebook ads. So I had to learn organic and how, how to honestly grow a following and how to get results for my clients. And so uh, I started this, I want to say four years ago, maybe max. No, not even three and a half years ago is when I went full time and my business has grown pretty quickly and we've expanded into a lot of marketing organically through paid advertising and through kind of like guerrilla marketing that can get kind of crazy sometimes. Yeah. So, Yeah. Well, and-
0: the longer I've been doing this personally, and then mm-hmm. having clients deal with it, the more and more respect I have for people who are able to grow a following organically, because on the surface, it looks easy. It's like, oh, well, you just post a bunch, you, you shout it from the rooftops, and no problem. If, you just, if you're obnoxious enough and will blast your stuff, of course, people eventually start following you. I don't think people realize just how difficult it is to grow a real following, not one you've bought, yep. Yep. and one that really engages with what you're putting out there.
1: Yeah. And I think even more than that, because even engagement can be so faked t- today. Like right. that's part of the reason I barely do the Instagram game because it drives me crazy how many people are paying for engagement mm-hmm. and I don't play that game. So you, you really like see my legit stats but it's even more than engagement. It's who's sharing your message, who's telling all their friends and family about you, who's ultimately buying the things that you put out there or becoming like an evangelist for your brand. That's even deeper than engagement that most people are working towards, you know?
0: Right. And, and that's very true because what we'll talk about is even if you do get engagement, are you getting the right kind of engagement to where it's converting to, to customers? And this is one thing I want to talk to you about because I know you've got a good TikTok following. Mm -hmm. And for most people, we'll troll TikTok because I think a lot of people just get high on the dopamine rush and I'm getting all these people watching my stuff, not considering what sort of traffic they're getting. So I do want to talk to you about that, about how you've managed to navigate not only getting a following on there, but... That transforming and curating that to where it's getting you the right kind of people who are actually buying your stuff.
1: I love that point. So, one thing that was really interesting for me with TikTok is. It was at first really like a distraction. And I was like, I want to just create these videos. This is so fun. But then I started kind of seeing some signs on the wall, like some writing on the wall that this might be something that's here to stay. And as I started to see kind of these signs, I was like, you know, I think I should honestly do a little more research into what TikTok is all about. And so here are the latest stats as of my call with uh, TikTok corporate just, I think like two weeks ago. There are 891 million active monthly users, crazy. Um, and nearly 40% of the users are over the age of 30. So that was kind of oh. mind blowing to me. Isn't that shocking? Well, my
0: first exposure to TikTok was um, Pay Money Wubby well on YouTube. He did this big sort of expose when it was on Musically. He was yep. just talking about how it was all these like 14 year olds who were doing these like, overly sexual videos and he was in my impression has always was at least especially that's like skews to a much younger user base so that's really interesting to me.
1: Yeah. It's grown a lot in the older demographics. And one of the things that's interesting is TikTok's been really, really working to bring on um, celebrities that attract an older following. So for okay. example, they, they've they really supported Howie Mandel, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. They've also brought on Will Smith. Um, Reese Witherspoon is on there. Jessica Alba. There's a whole bunch of kind of not older, but you know what I mean? Not teeny bopper celebrities that are on this app trying to bring an older user base. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that I found kind of interesting is that they started out really young and that scares most people. They're like, that's not a good sign until you remember that the younger users are the ones that have the most expendable income because it's not theirs. Um, And if they do have a job, it's all expendable. That's amazing, right? Like a hundred percent of their income is expendable. Amazing. But then also... Um, it's where there's a younger user base that you see potential for growth because people are loyal to the uh, platform that they kind of grow up on. So, for example, right. a lot of us, you know, we're on Facebook starting at the age of 16, 18, mm-hmm. 22. And we're on there and it's hard for us to adapt to a new platform because that's like our platform. So that, I saw those signs and I was like, this is time to start getting onto this app and really, really honestly honing in an older audience
0: yeah so that's super interesting that the demographics are changing so i'm interested with that though because what i've seen people in the im space where i think they're doing it wrong and i haven't tried to get on TikTok yet i'm a little bit of a late late adopter here but they have very very professional facebook linkedin instagram presences everything is very curated and professional towards for that lens then on TikTok, they're just running around in like dinosaur costumes and acting a fool. So how have you managed to do it to where you're keeping either a continuity or having it to where it's actually you're, you're getting the right engagement on there?
1: So one thing that I've done, and this actually kind of goes back to your original point of building a following. Um, one thing I've done that at times I would get nervous about is I'm very true to who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm a pretty goofy person. I sometimes say the wrong things. I'm not the most, polished person all the time. And so I think that that made it an easier segue for me onto TikTok. Yeah. Um, I'm not my craziest, goofiest, most embarrassing self on every single platform all the time, but yeah. those moments do appear on all platforms. So when people got to go on to TikTok, they said, oh my gosh, we get to see like all of the goofy side of Rachel. And a lot of people enjoyed they at least that's what they shared with me, they enjoyed being able to see the most like unleashed, goofiest version of me whenever they want. So for me that segue was really easy, but I will say it doesn't just have to be ridiculous, crazy running around in a dinosaur costume. The cool thing about TikTok is that it is able to be adapted to whatever your personality is as long as you're willing to kind of identify the trends and then figure out how you play into that. Okay.
0: All right, cool. That's su- super interesting because again, I feel like that's a, it's a platform where it's clearly emerging. and has this huge audience, but so many people are doing it wrong. So that, in, that insights super interesting to me. <laughs> right, so cool. So second question that we ask everyone, and again, going to what we say at the outset that so many people are pretending to have profit and success. What's the best thing about having a profitable online business?
1: I will say, I don't know the opposite. And I know that that sounds kind of weird, but whenever I hear someone saying like, we haven't been profitable for three months, I get kind of sick to my stomach because I'm like, what do you mean you haven't been profitable? Like that is one-on-one. Like you have to first and foremost, take care of your house or else, you don't have a business, you have an expensive mm-hmm. hobby. Like that just right. blows my mind. So what I love most about having a profitable business is the ability to honestly do whatever we want. And I know that that sounds kind of crazy, but for example, let's say Christmas is coming up and we want to do something awesome for our family. Knowing that we have that ability and knowing that at any point we can pull different levers to adjust the, the profitability in our business is pretty honestly empowering. Mm -hmm. So there have been seasons that have been challenging, like having our third kid while running two businesses. That was, uh, I don't know if that was stupid, but it was like really hard. And knowing that we could just go a little bit easier during that season and just our our profit margins would become smaller. But at the same time, I could back off a little bit. That was really empowering for us knowing Mm -hmm. no matter what happens, we've got runway.
0: Yeah, because you have the flexibility to start, which is huge. And I think what happens, I think because in the I am space, especially, you get this with all businesses, you get with all online businesses. I think Mm -hmm. the I am space is the worst Mm -hmm. because the claims are so inflated and people make it seem like it's so easy. Yeah. What you run into is people who will do some relatively entry-level course on how to run Facebook ads, how to be a coach, how to do something and they buy it for 90 97 dollars 497 997 yeah. whatever but they don't actually end up with any sort of expertise so then they have the cost of the training they get upsold to having a mentor or some kind of mastermind they can't afford so they have like you said it ends up being an expensive hobby because they they're buying all these things that they're told they need to succeed but they don't actually have the skill set and the sales ability to get any anything to offset that on the front end
1: that's really hard for me to to kind of like stomach the idea that people aren't taking their own skill sets into i guess they're not being responsible for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about every single time that I have that like twinge of i don 't know something," it really bothers me yeah. and so Personally, I probably learn the most from lots of searching like Google searching YouTube searching I'll spend hours on a blog learning how to Organize my content with blogs versus podcasts versus YouTube, uh, YouTube videos And I do that because I hate the feeling of am I skilled or do I just think I'm skilled? Do I just think I'm an expert because that's what everyone's saying and so just, you know, a week ago, I spent seven or eight hours learning the new functionalities of Instagram stories because I, I don't want to be left in the dust. And mm-hmm. so as much as I get frustrated about the entry-level courses that don't actually teach any skills, I think ultimately each person needs to take responsibility for themselves, get some books, and honestly learn the skills that you're lacking. Mm-hmm. And that's I know that's like tough love, but... Well, yeah, and... <sighs>
0: It it's an easy thing to say, but I think part of it does end up being a little bit of laziness because yeah. oh yeah. And that that's kind of what will attract some people to the I am space in general, is that it's being sold as wow, this is so easy. I was homeless last month and now I make a million dollars a month and I work 30 minutes a day. It's sold at these extremes of just how preposterously easy it is. And I think to an extent that attracts people who don't really want to work to begin with. So then they get into it and they realize, wow, this this is a job like anything else. And, mm-hmm. and they're not willing to put in the time or in the additional money to get their skills where they need to be.
1: I actually really agree with that. And, you know, sometimes people will say like, it seems Rachel, like your business soared really fast and like it came effortlessly to you. And I'm like, well, tell that to like my adrenals, because I mean, for years I was working 80 to a hundred hours a week. My, you know, my adrenal fatigue was crazy. And there was zero part of it that was easy. The only easy part was knowing this is what I want to do. That was the only like easy part you know right oh absolutely
0: yeah. and I don't think especially when you're presenting and not, you're presenting the good parts of the business I think people who don't know any better and don't want to yeah. dig at all they're like all they see are the highlights and they don't have any sort of reality check of like well yeah cool she, she's posting the fun things of what's going on but there's got there's a ton of work that's going on to make these snapshots possible
1: yeah, I've tried to show some of like the behind the scenes um, and I do once in a while and I'm like, just remember that this is what you don't see. Why? Because it doesn't look as cool, you know, like, I mean. Well, and,
0: yeah, it's, it's not yeah. as engaging or fun or interesting. It's there's a balance between not showing anything yep. versus just being this weird Debbie Downer of like, look how hard my life is. This is so tough.
1: Right, I think that it's important to just remember that when you see someone and you're like, "Oh, it looks like their life and their business is so easy," remember that you don't showcase your down days. And right. there's a lot of reasons for that. That's the rarity, you know. Um, no one showcases intentionally their their blood, sweat, and tears, like because that doesn't convert as well. So just always remember, you're only seeing the highlight reel, and as long as you know that. It's going to help you to realize I'm not abnormal. This is supposed to be hard. Um, that helps me a lot. You know, Yeah, completely. Yep. Well,
0: and, and also not not doing the highlight reel, but also for me, one thing I I get so impatient. And I think a lot of us do. Oh, I ha- I have to remember. I have to look back a year, two years, three years, five. I have to look at the past to realize how far we've come. Because I think for a lot of us, we not only compare ourselves. Um, compare ourselves to other people, we don't compare, we we compare ourselves to what our goals are for the future, not necessarily what we've already achieved.
1: For sure. Um, One thing that really helped me with that is I've kept a journal since I was like 11 years old. So I have all of these journals. I have like dozens and dozens of journals and I can easily go back and remember at any point. Um, when we go through, like, let's say, for example, a dip where I feel frustrated with a lack of progress or let me rephrase that less progress than I would like. Um, when we go through a season where it's really hard or there's stuff that I just don't like facing, I go back and I remember, you know, like the entries where I said, I don't have money for diapers this month and I don't know what to do. Right. Right. Suddenly it's like, okay, oh, these are so much better problems. I can take this any day over that. And that, that's really been helpful for me to be able to reference. This is what life used to look like, you know? Yeah, that, that's huge. Yeah.
0: All right, perfect. And this is a good segue because the third question we ask everyone is that cash flow is one of the things we deal with a lot in our practice. Yep. And one of the things that we hear from online business owners can be a real struggle. So mm-hmm. you've got a nice profitable business now. Yep. You had the growing pains of getting there. So along the way, how has that been something you've managed successfully?
1: Good question. I will say it's always a work in progress, I think, because especially as you're scaling, it's like you'll hit this point where you're scaling and you're like, Whoa, this is eating into our profits more than I would like. Mm -hmm. And you have to reevaluate every single expenditure. Um, something that we just started doing this year, and at least this is working for us is reevaluating expenses. Continually and saying, you know, we needed this last month. Do we still need it now? What did they call it? Zero, zero sum budgeting, zero sum accounting, zero
0: They could. I mean, there's, everything has like 10 names. Okay.
1: Okay. So we started doing that and it was funny because for example, we would run Facebook ads according to what everyone else said was like killing it. And when we actually dove into the numbers, our sales didn't dry up when we cut the Facebook ads out. And so it was really odd. We were getting this double attribution of Facebook ads and that saved us, you know, 30 to $45,000 a month. So when we started looking at each expense, regularly, it's helped us to stay more profitable, but there are definitely seasons where it's like, oh my gosh, I really just freaking wish I had 200 grand I could just spend for fun on advertising today, you know, but that's not the reality of building a profitable business. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's what we do, especially for online businesses, but just Mm -hmm. since it's a more tangible example, one of the examples I always give will be construction clients we have to where they'll think that certain jobs or types of jobs or this customer is their, their best customer, their best type of work. And what we get them to do is to start coding every single expense to the customer, to the job, and to the class of job. And what will happen is they think that man, installing windows is our bread and butter. This is the best thing possible. Or doing decks is great or bathroom remodels, whatever it is. But then when we start coding that information and then you're able to run profit and loss statements and other financials based on those parameters, we find that, okay, this one customer is huge. It's great, but your margins are razor thin on them so you're super busy you need to cut that out this type of job yeah you get a ton of revenue in but it takes your guys twice as long to do and you don't you're not actually making anything i think it's it's true for any business and you can apply that same principle to online business where just doing really uh surface level financials can be very deceiving
1: oh yeah Absolutely. And that was one thing that we started to realize as we were diving into most of our marketing expenses is that not all of it was designed to actually generate an ROI. And, you know, most of it was actually there to, I guess, not cover up insecurities, but kind of like mask them, you know, like hiring yeah. someone to support with Instagram posts because it's my least favorite platform mm-hmm. when that generated nothing. <laughs> so, right. And that's like a painful reality is facing all of those expenses that don't contribute anything to the bottom line. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and especially with marketing, it's always funny when I'll I'll have clients who hire someone who can tell isn't really an expert at whatever ads they're running, but they act like they are. And you can skew those numbers to look like whatever you want. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes people get tied to, there's a PR person, first time I heard it, They called it vanity metrics, and I've heard it a lot since, but that's what I always think of is that I think it's really easy for us to get this dopamine rush based on these vanity metrics, like we're getting all these likes and these views, and this is great, doesn't necessarily mean it's actually doing anything aside from, you said, like sort of padding our insecurities.
1: Oh, absolutely. And for a while, like it drove me crazy because, you know, there's a lot of external pressure being an expert in social media. People are like, well, then why don't you have the world's most engaged Instagram? Or why don't you, you know, why don't I? Because honestly, I care about if we're profitable. I care about if we're actually moving the needle and if it's changing you know, lots of lives around us by staying a business with cash flow. So, Mm -hmm. and that's tough though, you know, that external pressure. And it's like, oh, I just have to do this based on what's best for me and my family. So the first time that I ever kind of realized it's okay to kind of let up the gas on the vanity metrics a bit was when I was reading a Dan Kennedy book and it was, um, the no BS guide to direct marketing. Um, I think that's what it's called magnetic marketing, the no BS guide to direct marketing. And he said, really, none of that matters. And it really comes down to is this moving the needle, mm-hmm. you know, financially? Yeah, completely. Yeah. All right.
0: Perfect. So fourth question we ask everybody is in a couple of minutes to give us your one of your main tips that you think that every online business center should know.
1: Ooh, one of my main tips. Okay, so this is interesting. Every single person should start building their list or start aggressively growing their list. Mm -hmm. And I used to not believe this until we started making almost daily offers to my list. And suddenly it's like every single time we put out an offer, we get sales every single day. What a crazy concept, right? Build your list and sell to your list, duh. So even if you don't quite understand, like, do I have the world's best lead magnet? Do I have um, the perfect lead magnet? Is this the right one? Literally, just start building your list today with whatever lead magnet you have, and start emailing offers to your list with an incredible value add or story. You'll get to know your list really fast. You'll get some awesome feedback, and it doesn't hurt to kind of condition them to getting regular offers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll run into that, and I think we've even been guilty of that before, where You do things to build, build your list. You've got opt-ins. You'll do, we'll do a, a webinar for score every year that we get a decent, this big influx. We have clients sign up, you know, we're getting leads throughout the year, but then, we'll just send out blogs and we'll go a long time without actually doing offers. And I think what happens when you have these stagnant lists, these ones that you're not dealing with properly is that when you do an offer, it can be a little bit of a shell shock to them when you actually start doing what you should and they're getting daily offers from you. It can kind of, um, you can have this little rebound effect. If you're, if you're not, like you said, conditioning them properly to anticipate that.
1: I will say it. So I went from emailing my list once a week to emailing them like up to five times a week. And a lot of people are like, no, that's way too much. Like you cannot do that. But when I say like offers to my list every, you know, almost every day, it sounds like I'm just a pitch fest in their inbox, but Every single day I say, does this give value? Right. And so I tell a story or I break a belief or I give value or tips or something along those lines. And then the offer is kind of at the end. It's rare that it's like a hardcore pitch, um, yeah. but you kind of almost just have to do it if that makes sense. Right. But I do recommend that people don't switch to like daily offers if they're not going to be able to uh, keep it going. And especially sure. not if it's just a straight pitch.
0: Sure. Well, I think it, I think it's a good clarification that you made there that it's not yeah. just a straight sales offer because yes. I've had, I had one client where they really, they'd send value added things. They'd send things that were really good informational pieces, but they didn't want to do any selling. And they finally, someone prevailed on them that at the end, almost as a PS, they put, yes. Oh, by the way, here's this offer, check out our new course, or we have a discount on this. And every single email, every single time they're getting not only sales, but pretty solid sales off of yes. every email just from that little PS.
1: Yes. That was something we started adding was um, that little, like, like you said, and I love how you explained that. It's that, oh, by the way, if you want more help with this, yeah. that's one of my favorite. If you want a little more help with this, here's this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also added like a four-part PS to our emails, most of our emails, and that gives them opportunities to jump in where it feels appropriate for them too. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Perfect. So last question we ask everybody is either what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online or what's the craziest thing you've seen sold online?
1: Oh, geez. I have to say everything from wish.com, the wish app, their ads are brilliant. um, And that covers both because I can't even think of specific examples, but sometimes I look at their ads and I'm like, how is this even legal? These are so disgusting. And it's a brilliant tactic to grab attention. They've clearly decided that that was something that they were going to do. Um, and it's worked for them, which is kind of neat. The other thing that I've really enjoyed is watching uh, Cards Cards Against Humanity yeah. and their Black Friday sales every single year. Like saying... This year you can give us money and you get nothing like right. straight up. Nothing. Send us money and you will get us nothing. And everyone thought it was a joke because they were like, there's no way. And they ended up making several hundred thousand dollars from people who thought that there might be something on the other side of it. And there wasn't. Well, my
0: favorite, they, it seems like every year or two, they'll do something crazy. They had that one year. It's like, we're just going to dig this hole. Yes. The more money you give us, the deeper this hole will get dug. Once you stop, then the hole stops, but yes. we're not going to put anything here. This is just us digging a hole and you funding it.
1: Yeah. And then last year they had this like crazy um, Black Friday sale where they did th- this uh, auction and it was insane. It was like they were selling like cars for a dollar and all this crazy stuff. It was nuts. It was brilliant though. Cause people mm-hmm. were watching all day.
0: Yeah. People. Oh, oh, I remember that now. Cause I remember there was someone I know It's was like, they. And they knew they weren't going to get it, but they get so mad, so it'd be something they really wanted. And the whole day, they're just refreshing, yes. waiting for these insane deals to pop up.
1: Yep. It was so cool to watch. Yeah. And
0: th- that's what's interesting, too, is seeing people. Everyone will bring up the Harmon Brothers, people who are able to take... Because outlandish sales, that in and of itself is unusual. But the way they're able, people are able to execute these things that doing it outlandish, but doing it in the right way. It's always interesting to me just sort of the science behind doing marketing properly.
1: So true. Um, I will say that those things can work, especially if they're aligned with your brand. So for example, my brand isn't aligned with like shock appeal necessarily and so that wouldn't work for me but it does work for a lot of people's brands and it it truly uh, filters out the people who don't love that kind of marketing and Mm -hmm. brings in people who are like this is awesome. Right yeah Yeah. and,
0: and I think that that's huge for any any sort of marketing we'll we'll talk about how some people want to be so broad appeal and so generic that they won't offend anybody and in doing that they don't have an appeal for anyone at all so it's always interesting the people that process of filtering out the people who were never going to buy from you to begin with and really honing in on that subset that are going to be devoted customers
1: absolutely um and the funny thing is like if you just are honest to like what you believe um you, you're gonna offend people i mean goodness gracious like I straight up went on a live with my kid one day and people were like, look at her. She uses her kids for her marketing. And I was like, it's 2am and my son couldn't sleep. So we decided to do a live, not the same thing as using my kids for marketing. I right, like, not
0: your kid crying, please buy my mommy's stuff, please.
1: Yes, for real. So, I mean, just being yourself, if you're truly yourself, not a muted version mm-hmm. or a watered down version, you're going to offend people. And also, Magnetize the people who love that.
0: Yeah. Perfectly said. Yes. All right. That's a good good place to end. Again, those are our questions. Had a blast having you on here. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: This was awesome, Micah. Thank you so much for having yeah. me.
0: Yeah, we've really enjoyed it. For anyone who's listening or watching this and wants to reach out to you, what's your website best method of contact right now?
1: Best place to contact me is rachelpeterson.com. That's all e's and a D in my last name.
0: Okay, perfect. We'll put that link in the description. Thanks again awesome. for being here. And thanks again to everyone who's watching on the few, the proud, the profitable, where we only talk to legit online businesses. Make sure to review, to subscribe, and we'll catch y'all next time.